Uber just announced that they're going to deliver cannabis up in Canada. What does that mean? What do I think? All of that coming up. It's only entertainment. Welcome back to The Talking Hedge. I'm Josh Kincaid, Capital Markets Analyst and host of your Cannabis Business Podcast. So what's the big deal? Uber is delivering. Who cares? Um, Maybe if you're thinking that you're from California and you already have delivery. (laughs) Delivery is big, right? There's uh, the pandemic pushed a lot of things. E-commerce probably 10 years into the future. Delivery um, already being announced in Canada from Uber didn't affect their stock price at all. Nobody said, ooh, that's sinful. You know, I'm going to back out of that. So you didn't have anybody that, at least not that I've seen yet so far, there may be some pension plans that are invested in it that have to because they have a sin clause where they can't. But the, the shun stock hypothesis uh, is that um, if, if it's bad, if it's sinful, if it's a vice stock, people are, are not going to invest in it until the, um, until the valuation is so sexy, you can't resist. Uh, and that g- generally happens in, in a bear market, right? We're not there yet and people aren't backing away. So that's telling me a few things. One, that um, the opportunity is right, that investors don't care about cannabis uh, and that they see it as an opportunity for Uber to make an additional revenue and they don't really care. California leads trends in more ways than one. I've said automotive and cannabis trends and, and everything. And so when you see a statistic like um, in Canada where um, 60% have ordered online and delivery are going to continue to use that as a preferred method. So not just the initial spike uh, at, at the pandemic, but a year later, uh, that should speak volume to a lot of folks. So 90% responded to a survey said that they've used online ordering delivery service uh, to purchase cannabis. I know that I do it because uh, in Washington, we don't have delivery. So I pre-order, um, you get a 10% discount, whatever I get 25 or 30 for being in the industry, but I pre-order because there's a separate line. So all these suckers are waiting to speak to a bud tender and I'm like the only one in a pre-order uh, ready to get my stuff and go. Uh, you don't really get your choice of picking what bag you want, but like I, I burned through an ounce in like six days. So it doesn't really matter what it looks like. Cause I'm probably going to come back and buy the next bag anyways. So it doesn't matter. Um, so again, you're seeing a, a massive um, change in consumer behavior. And with that, it's going to come more purchasing. It's interesting right now. Um, and we're going to talk about this in, in a couple of weeks, uh, after the last podcast I did with Apex Trading and BDS Analytics to talk about wholesale and retail pricing and the potential, uh, not potential, but the obvious decrease in uh, sales. People are buying more. You're seeing more transactions, but the dollar amounts are going lower. So either people are going into the store more often now, bringing the average uh, delivery price down, or they're just buying less. I don't really know. I guess we'll find out with some time. Um, but it looks like some things are changing. Delivery, in theory, would increase the purchase because um, you have a delivery limit, like $65 in in California. So maybe you buy more, but less frequently. Um, But it is a matter of convenience. I buy my groceries. I don't like having other people pick which vegetables I get. Sometimes the stuff is, it takes forever, you know, for a mango, for example, or avocado is, is smushy and, and a mango is super hard. You know, it's it, that part sucks. But um, 
what for me the only thing worse than that is standing in line for an hour so yeah pick pick your poison i guess Going back to California is kind of an example and, and just kind of this microcosm of, of activity to kind of, there's data one, that's kind of why I'm using this as an example, but also the uh, proliferation of, of the industry, uh, the, the dominance that California has uh, on the culture itself. Um, there's tech, there's cannabis, there's all of these things. So um, naturally you kind of want to take a look and see um, like I've said, with the flower decreasing in popularity in California to around 42% market share is what I would expect everyone to have eventually because you have, you know, almost 60% of other products competing for, um, for attention. So whether it's pre-rolls, edibles, beverages, concentrates, it's, it makes sense. You have two thirds uh, out there and then flower is going to be this lone segment eventually. Uh, in the meantime, Overall sales in California, 4.4 billion. That's up 57% from 2019. But coming down, I think we're capping out same store sales. Like I said, it may be capped until we have federal legalization, which could open the door for a lot more SKUs. LA being the largest market in California, if not the world, is seeing a big portion of that business. And especially when it comes to pickup and delivery options, making over one-fifth of sales on average. So 22% of everything flowing through the door in LA is made at either a pickup or delivery option. Like I mentioned with the pandemic kind of accelerating the growth of delivery and e-commerce activity, uh, online orders spiked, according to Ease, they spiked 60% in just the first 30 days after the stay-at-home orders in California. We're seeing more and more people just wanting that convenience of having it delivered as opposed to going into the stores and interacting, which I think is a detriment to a lot of these brands that expect and anticipate sales to come from, um, you know, the bud tender, for example, or in Vegas, they'll spend 50 grand for an end cap. So when you walk in, the first thing you see is, is that. So you're not going to have companies spending 50,000 a month, you know, for that when people majority of people are buying it online. There's also some licensing challenges to um, spending a ton of money on retail. And if you have direct sales from the producer, you know, if you're not vertically integrated, if you don't have a production and a brand and a retail license, if you're just a, a, a grow op uh, and you sell to the customer, you're bypassing the, the retail shop and it's happening. You know, so for somebody who, who dropped $25 million on the license, you're going around them circumnavigating that whole channel. And I think that's huge that no one's really talking about. So there's some missed opportunities there. Um, not long-term, I think regulated, regulations will kind of bring that back in to a tight knit little um, area to work within. But right now, um, we're kind of seeing high barriers to entry trying to obtain those licenses. And so delivery and e-commerce has been this kind of domino effect, uh, adding to uh, more excitement, more of a green rush. Um, you know, even Weed Maps was super late to delist some of the non-licensed rec shops because they were getting money for it. Right? Why would you want to stop your advertisement when you know 80% of them aren't legal regulated um, rec shops? So that whole regulation kind of still needs to kind of come in place uh, in California. So 
uh, apparently there's 82% that still have provisional or temporary licenses instead of permanent ones in California. So that's, that's huge. Um, this state had to pass a $100 million plan to help these unlicensed businesses obtain licenses. That's crazy, considering how long it's been at least medical. 1996, I think, is when California became a medical state. So pretty ridiculous that this is even like an issue. I'm sure DoorDash and Grubhub and a lot of other companies uh, are, that are delivering food are going to be looking really, really close at Uber to find out uh, what they're doing. Uh, which sucks for a lot of these other companies, uh, Greenbox in Portland, you know, small little company, um, probably won't get acquired. They're just going to have to continue to try to compete. Um, hopefully some of them will. I think, you know, there's a lot of these entrepreneurs who've been in it for a long time, but, uh, you know, if they didn't see this coming, then, then that's on them. Obviously, you kind of have to figure that the big boys are going to come in eventually. So, um, I'm not sure. Snoop Dogg's investment with Ease has been an absolute disaster. Uh, there have been $35 million to come up with an e-commerce platform and you still can't do it. You know, I wouldn't look at them as the experts to say that um, that they know where the industry is going to be going just because it's Snoop Dogg, you know. Um, but they think that delivery is going to be key. And so they're kind of doubling down on that. One other hurdle is going to be trying to combine alcohol delivery with cannabis delivery. So you can't really have events that have cannabis and alcohol. If you have alcohol and cannabis in the car, is, is that something you can do? Again, back to the whole regulations and, and how to kind of make that work uh, is going to be difficult. There are some pessimists out there. I love this analyst. Uh, this guy Johnson put a $0 price target on Tilray. <laughs> he sees little hope for the industry in the long run, betting that marijuana remains a low gross margin business with troubling economics. Um, you can see the Ease's bumpy financial journey reflecting some of his concerns about that green rush and investment. Last year, TechCrunch reported on financial challenges that Ease had uh, trying to overcome their margins. Uh, the low margins, various barriers to entry explain why venture capital funding to cannabis businesses peaked in 2019, stayed away during the pandemic as they went to PPE, and now coming back uh, into the droves trying to tap that $85 billion industry, looking at maybe delivery as that next big, big thing. Celebrities kind of going to the wayside, Martha Stewart, whatever, Snoop Dogg, um, all these other guys, no one cares about Jay-Z. Um, there's going to be smaller players that come into the market. No one cares about burner. They care about the genetics with cookies. So uh, small markets are going to come in uh, and, and redefine the market as um, maybe some capital trickles down to them uh, eventually. So I think it's an awesome opportunity that this is presenting itself. I don't think it's the end all be all, but it is showing that um, the market is legitimate. It is here to stay and that companies can come in and not be um, uh, derailed from, from expanding into the cannabis industry. There wasn't any backlash on Uber for doing what they did. And I think that is the biggest takeaway of all. With that, we're going to roll this one up. I'm Josh Kincaid. This is The Talking Hedge. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe, or don't, and I'm out. Don't forget to smash that like button on your way out and check out these other videos that we've got. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hey everyone, it's Ryan from the Cannabis Connoisseur Podcast. 
If you're looking for ways to utilize cannabis to keep you healthy, strong, and sharp, come join us every Wednesday where we dive into the best ways to use cannabis to optimize your life. Topics include cannabis and athletics, cannabis for productivity, cannabis for anxiety, cannabis for a healthy immune system, and so much more. If you're a curious connoisseur, this show is for you. So please head over to our page and we're looking forward to seeing you this week. Bye.